You're now listening to Cougar Slayers, the podcast for winners. Hosted by Chris Leo and Matt Maddie Mac Galchak. Hello, welcome everybody to Cougar Slayers, the podcast for winners. Thanks again for joining us. My name is Lord Christopher Leo. That's right, Lord Christopher Leo. And I'm here with my co-host, my better half, Matt Maddie Mac Galchak. Matt, say hello to everybody. What's going on, everybody? Happy 2021, and uh, so far, not so much better than 2020, but I don't know. Did Dr. Dre make a recovery? Actually, I'm not sure. I haven't really checked uh, since, you know, everything else that's, uh, you know, crazy has gone on. Um, I'm sure, I don't know, like, maybe we'll look at some point, and, like, by the time this episode drops, we'll have more information on that. But, yeah, just, you know, another one just, you know, going down, man. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but on a happier note, we are thrilled to be able to bring you another episode of, like we said, Cougar Slayers, the podcast for winners. Uh, we're thrilled to be able to bring you the gift of us. And um, we've all, we've had a few episodes um, up until this point, and uh, we want to thank everybody who's tuned in. Uh, we also want to thank everybody who has visited our Facebook page and connected with us on there. Um, and if you haven't done that yet and you're a first-time listener, you can go ahead well, again, visit Facebook, Cougar Slayers, the podcast for winners, and you can see us on there, follow us, and interact with us as we continue to grow and move along and just see where this thing takes us. Now, last time we spoke about one of our favorite shows, and that is obviously Cobra Kai, and in that last episode, we gave a forward look at season three, and then we said that our next episode, we would wait a couple weeks, and then we would come back and we would talk, uh, kind of in hindsight, about what happened in season three, giving our analysis, and before we actually jump in, to talking about season three we want to start by giving a shout out and expressing our gratitude to um some uh, to a, a certain entity so matt why don't you uh, talk about uh, who we need to give shout out to all right so i'm on many cobra kai fan pages on facebook and one particular one is cobra kai dojo if you are a fan of cobra kai if you're on facebook if you're not a member of this group shame on you you most certainly should be I, and uh, the administrator, Trav Maverick, uh, gave me his blessing to promote Cougar Slayers on the uh, Facebook page and a lot of the other groups, which I am appreciative of being a part of. Uh, it had to be like a strictly Cobra Kai podcast, but he's actually letting us uh, promote Cougar Slayers. So whenever we have a new episode, you know, it's going to be posted up there on a uh, Cobra Kai Dojo. So thank you for that, Trav Maverick. I don't know if that's your real name or not, but that's your Facebook handle. So I appreciate that. And uh, again, if you are not a member of this group and you are a fan of Cobra Kai, can you really say you're a fan of Cobra Kai? <laughs> Oh boy, you know, very good identity question here. I mean, we are in, you know, after 2020 and 2021, I know there's a lot of people who are, you know, struggling with their identities and maybe that's a, that's good. It cuts right to the heart of, you know, kind of what, what people should be about. And just to echo uh, your sentiments of gratitude there, I just kind of want to say, yeah, like, you know, with us starting this podcast here, we're kind of like, all right, well, I mean, let's just see where it goes. And we figured that with starting with Cobra Kai, 
we've like connecting and putting it in one of those groups uh, where there's that fan base and kind of just give an additional platform for discussion, if you will, was kind of a good way to help us grow and move forward. But like Matt said, that group is absolutely the place to be if you want to connect with, uh, you know, true diehard fans. So again, kudos to you guys uh, for creating and cultivating that awesome spot for people. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So at this point here, we've obviously, which, you know, it's been a week, uh, so obviously we've watched season three at this point, and if you haven't, um, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> Matt, you were, you were shaming people earlier, and I, I guess I will double shame people. If you have not watched it yet, shame on you. So you may want to jump off now if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, haven't watched it yet, because obviously we're going to be uh, looking back at it, giving some analysis, some thoughts on it, and obviously that would include spoilers. So um, was Matt, if just I guess kind of to start as an overview, what, how would you rank the season? I'm not sure if you want to give it a number or just to get, like, describe it in some adjectives. Well, what do you think? What's your overall thought on the season? Uh, it was my favorite season so far. The storytelling was great. There were a couple moments in there that I'm like, all right, it, it, some of the things felt a little rushed. But again, uh, with Netflix uh, and shows, they've been normally canceling seasons around like five seasons. So I don't know if uh, the creators are kind of like, well, what if we only have five? Maybe try to like push all this content together because they only do the 10 episodes. But I think overall, it was amazing. Uh, when I saw Kumiko, of course, you know, my heart melted. Um, seeing Allie again, that was great. Um, just everything about this season, you know, like you said, it, it, it was pretty much everything I expected. But at the same time, I think the writers did a great job at throwing us curveballs because, you know, obviously there were a lot of people saying, like the LaRussos were separating or one of the reasons why they went to, o Daniel went to Okinawa was because, you know, he was clearing his head or, which I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he did kind of, but it was to save the LaRusso auto dealership with that Japanese company. And then he just made a detour, you know, so the, the LaRussos didn't end up separating. So that was, that was kind of cool because I do love the Amanda character. Um, that makes but, one of us. Hey, <laughs> 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 you know what I do? No, I like her because she is super level-headed. And what what how she won me over was in season one after uh, Daniel's cousin and the biker group uh, torched Johnny's car, and he went there and to the Larusa household, and they were gonna fight. You know, you had you know Daniel and Johnny where we were finally gonna get the oh yeah they're gonna throw down. And she come out and she's just like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, two grown men, you know, childhood karate rivals are going to duke it out, you know, kind of making it, putting them to shame for like feeling that aggression towards each other. She's like, you know, why don't we, and, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but she's more or less saying, um, why don't we just, you know, come in and have breakfast, you know, and talk this out like adults and kind of, uh, and then you just kind of see, you know, William Zapp gun Ralph Macchio's face kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say felt stupid, but 
she kind of brought them all down and that is what won it over for me that's what won her character over won me over as a fan of her character i should say yeah well i think it's interesting you just mentioned her being level-headed i'm like oh yeah like yeah real level-headed when she you know slaps crease real lens here in season three real level-headed when she invites the landlord <laughs> in to dinner and she wants to, oh i'll pay you double uh you know crease's rent in order to get him out yeah real level-headed there mandy like real like real calm <laughs> after she had been you know um after the boys um in the you know previous season saying like oh like your karate wars blah 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 now she just kind of like got sucked right into it but i like kind of to that being said to echo your sentiments about um you know oh dan like are they going to separate or not like no they clearly came back together you know stronger than ever and just you know sometimes yeah like i yeah i no I'm glad the writers didn't go the route of like putting them in, you know, m true marital problems for sure. Um, something else I, well, oh yeah. So, okay. So you said that it was your favorite season. It was by far my favorite season too. I've only heard one person um, that I've interacted with who said he, who said it was, he didn't enjoy it. And that was, uh, that was my brother. And uh, you know, I, there, there's now a petition to get him kicked out of the family. So we'll see, Absolutely. we'll see how that happens. I'm not even a part of the Leo family and I want to sign this petition. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I thought it was amazing. And one of the things we had talked about in the last episode with, of um, our podcast we had both kind of mentioned, all right, what would we like to, certain things that we wanted to see potentially in this upcoming season. And, oh, it'd be nice if we were to get this. It'd be nice if we were to get this. And um, one of the things I had mentioned was I, I said I would have loved or I would love to see some uh, crease backstory. And, you know, neither one of us had like heard anything or done anything, uh, seen anything about like that, even though, you know, you had, you're clearly more in the know than I am. And we were both like, well, yeah, like it'd be cool to see. It was something I wanted. And lo and behold, um, I thought it was amazing that the writers went all, you know, Godfather 2, if you will, with him and just kind of giving the whole backstory there and everything like that. So Matt, uh, you being uh, former military and everything, I'm sure you could connect and you could relate to him and like his situation on many different levels. So why don't you talk about like, I guess, just any thoughts you have regarding the John Kreese character and how the, how, I guess the portrayal of him kind of came through in this season yeah i mean war changes you and of course i'm not going to speak for like vietnam vets because i wasn't born during vietnam or anything but i was you know in operation iraqi freedom twice uh deployed to iraq twice so uh you have to have a mindset going over there and and you see it like when crease works at the diner you can tell like he is a good kid you can tell, you know, he, he's had a rough life. Obviously, his mom was sick and everything. So he had a rough life. And even when he beats up the bully in the back after he hits his girlfriend, which, you know, I, I popped for that. Um, he, he's like, I've been fighting my whole life. I'm certainly not afraid of you. And you could just tell, like, he wants to be good. He's trying to do the right thing. He's, you know, he, he's a genuinely nice guy. And then, you know, they become POWs. And it's, you know, a fight to survive. Like those, you know, the Viet Cong soldiers or whatever, uh, when they were making them fight and try to knock each other into the snake pit, uh, you know, it, you got to figure, you know, if you're in that situation, it's kill or be killed. You know, you're fighting 
your buddy, which, you know, this was Crease's mentor, which I love that dude. That dude's in a show called Army Wives. So, like, I was like, oh, man, it's Frank Sherwood. You know, that um, guilty pleasure show. Anyway, uh, so you figured they're in a fight to death. So, of course, you know, Crease is going to do what he has to do. And uh, you just situation like that's going to change you it's going to change your mindset because like i said i was in no means like i said i'm proud to be a veteran proud to be serving the army but i wasn't one of the frontline guys you know i was i worked the airfield and even so going over there there are some things which you know we can get into on another podcast or whatever there are things that i've seen that shook me that have changed me that changed my temperament because you know you're not playing soldier and you're most certainly not in the boy scouts girl scouts whatever you know you are in the military you're over in a war you know your life can end like that so you're definitely hardened i guess to sum everything up i don't want to ramble because the last three episodes i ramble a lot and i'm trying to cut that back but it just hey the world loves you nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> real conversation real talk here folks so and uh quote unquote rambling if you will is part of it so you're welcome y'all <laughs> appreciate it buddy but yeah just bottom line like you said it just it, it hardens you like i said i don't feel like i i was changed a lot i didn't interact with any like chemicals or anything like that in two deployments i had one near-death experience um but it still, it hardened me and it, I don't want to say it messed with my temperament, but like I had a shorter fuse when I first got back and mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, it's just because if it wasn't done now, because like I said, it, it was uh, over there, it was just like a rush, rush, rush situation. Uh, in the army, we say a thing called hurry up and wait. And it's just, it's like when they tell you to do something, you, you, you blow through, you blow through like, oh, we have to be, we have to be done at like six o'clock and you blow through, blow through to get done by six o'clock. And then you get done at six. It's like, oh, wait, it got pushed back to seven, you know, one of those <laughs> but anyway, long story short, um, I, I obviously identify with the crease character and it's just like what I told you. I just, I feel like, you know, obviously he meant to do well. He meant to do right. And he was, a, he was a hero. I mean, they did the airstrike and he released the other POWs and he got his people home. Um, yeah. Uh, can I just jump in real quick? Cause you yeah, mentioned, uh, you mentioned about how, you know, he was in that, that fight against his commanding officer, that kill or be killed. Well, if we were to go back like, you know, a little bit further, uh, a little bit before that, before they were even captured and stuff, you could tell that he's, it's, he didn't, he, he was very loath and very hesitant to adopt that killer be kill mentality. I mean, he was, one could argue that he was the reason that they got captured, you know, because he didn't have that killer be kill mentality. You know, he was told, he was ordered, hey, you got to blow it. You got to blow it. Like, you got to, yeah. you, you, you got to go it. But he didn't want, he didn't want to sac end up sacrificing his one friend in, you know, one of his platoon mates along with it. So it's like, he's like, oh my gosh. And so there's, you see, there's that compassion in there, right there. Um, and so then even then when they're, in the cage 
um, you know, captured by the soldiers and they're kind of going through the whole thing of, okay, they see what's going on and you're one soldier having to fight against the next. You could just see the look on his face and based on the discussions there, it's like he wants no part of it. And you could see, I mean, that to me, that killer be kill mentality to is it like that whole hunger games mentality, if you will, or the most dangerous game, if you will. Um, I don't really know how one is able to adopt that mentality type of thing. It just like you talk about change temperament, like how can you, how do you get there? And I think we see the point where once we found out that Crease uh, is commanding officer, and I, I forget his name, uh, but we found that when he decides to meanly um, tell Crease about his girl, you know, that was basically where it's at. It's like, oh my gosh, and now him realizing it. And just there, I think it took to that very end before we just let him drop into that snake pit. So I would say, and I think you you agree, I agree with you. He like, he meant to do well. And we saw him with compassion throughout pretty much the whole, I guess, upward development of his character until that moment where he just pretty much, you know, had to, you know, let him go in the snake pit and uh then that there it's like okay so then we want to talk about him learning how to survive and this is what he is and then this becomes kind of part of his identity you know yeah yeah and i think that like kind of moving into that um when i think about like crease here and crease was just one part of this but one of i think one of the major themes throughout this whole season and throughout this whole show, but I think it was really developed in this season is the theme of fatherhood. Um, whether we're talking a figurative, you know, father figure, or whether we're talking about a biological blood father, I think that this show is absolutely a referendum on the importance of having that supportive father figure in your life. And we see throughout all the various different characters in the show, we see how that this circle of life has this impact of, on others. So crease let's, we can start with him, man. You know, we, he didn't have a father around um, when he was growing up. So he's out there, you know, trying to take care of his mom who has the uh, health issues and stuff. And so who became crease's real father figure? It'd, it'd be, definitely be that commander. I would say, it, yeah, it, it, it really like go into it. They don't really say, you know, we don't really know, like, we just know that his mom's sick. We don't really know anything else about his his biological family. But it's just like he's learning, like this captain is saying, like, I'm going to teach you everything I know. I'm going to teach you how to survive. I'm going to teach you hand-to-hand -hand combat. I'm going to teach you this, 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 and this. So in this season, if you had to say, you know, who was Kreese's father figure, it was definitely that commander. And he was, you know trying to harden them up before going into, you know, battle. Yeah. And like, absolutely. And so then, okay, so that's how crease, like this kind of becomes part of his identity and like, what he thinks? Okay. So this is maybe, you know, what a man or what a father should be like. And so he learns like, okay, toughness, tough is the way like strike first, no mercy because nobody else is going to have that type of compassion for you. So let's flash forward. How does this affect others? Oh, let's start with uh, our boy, Johnny Lawrence here. His real father, not in the picture, biological father, not in the picture. So stepdad, Sid, what kind of a man, Matt, what kind of a man was Sid? Like t t t tell our audience horrible. about the type of, type of, type of man Sid was. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. And, you know, being a step parent is hard. 
you know, just speaking from experience, you know, I had a stepdaughter and you know, it's just like, you're trying to play dad without stepping on the birth dad's toes, but her dad is very involved in everything. So I, it made it easier for me because it was like, I'm there for support. I'm there if you need me, but you know, I'm not trying to take over your dad's spot. Uh, Johnny didn't have that benefit. And it was, I think it was just the fact that um, obviously there was no, well, you see the actress that plays his mom during the one flashback in season one, but she was beautiful. She's a beautiful blonde. And, you know, there's this, you know, rich, the, the mom was way out of even younger Sid's league. And it was just like one of those, I want, I want the mom. I guess I have to accept that she has a kid. If I want to be with her, I have to accept her child. And yeah. he's just, you could just tell there was no like love in Sid's heart for Johnny at all. It was just, he was an annoyance. He was a bag. He was baggage. Right. And he, I mean, just, I think of the name calling and the hurtful things that he would say and just, you know, never, never respecting him, never caring for him. And so there it is. So you have Johnny, like there's no positive male role model. He's getting bullied at school. So he turns to somebody who, you know, shows caring for him. And who was that? John Kreese. Kreese. Okay. And nobody can say, look, yes, Kreese was hard, obviously, but you can't say that he wasn't caring. I mean, like it just, like at least in some ways, you know what I'm saying? Would you agree with it's that? a different type of care. I mean, he was, he was caring for him in his own way. He definitely had Johnny's best interests at heart. I think at the core of it, I think Kreese really does care about Johnny. I think he's going about things a little rough and the wrong way. But I think, you know, deep down, I think if you're like, hey, do you, do you hate Johnny Lawrence? No, not at all. I think he truly does care about Johnny. But he just, he wants to mold Johnny in his image. And, you know, Johnny doesn't want to do that. Yeah. You know? Well, and I even think, too, it's a, like, you can go back to the whole, you know, Karate Kid 1, you know, where he's, you know, basically choking Johnny out and everything like that. It's just, okay, how much of that stems from, again, Kreese's learning how to, you know, be a leader, you know, and how did he learn? Well, he learned from his, you know, commanding officer and things like that. And then you can contrast that. All right, so you've got, you've got Johnny. So it, well... But, you know, I guess his foil, if you will, you've got Daniel, again, Daniel Russo, no father in the picture, comes, uh, you know, to California, Miyagi, who's obviously quite different from John Kreese, he's kinder, he's gentler, those traits kind of make their way into Daniel as he uh, operates with his own children, and then, go figure, Daniel becomes a father figure to Robbie, who whose father wasn't around, you know, Johnny yeah. wasn't around. And then in turn, you've got Miguel, no father around. Well, so here comes Johnny trying to, you know, work with that. And so it's just to me, where I, you know, I quote the Lion King here and, you know, we're all connected in the circle of life, but I, I, I understand that, you know, gender is quickly becoming a hotly debated topic, but the truth remains, regardless of what people say, and there is truth that men and women are different and that a caring male voice matters and it makes a difference just like a caring female voice makes a difference here. And I like to, and like, I know you'll be able to give some examples here too. Like I'm actually not a, like, I'm not a biological father at this point, like, or a, you know, like 
surrogate father, if you will. Like I just, you know, I, I have no kids or anything, but I was, I've said before, like I was a teacher, I coached football. And I remember like one of the, the head coach when I, uh, for the football team, he kind of had this whole mantra, if you will, that he would, you know, kind of tell the kids, he'd be like, football is your father. Football is your father. Many of you don't have fathers, you know, football is going to teach you and it's going to teach you. And he and I had totally different styles of things. He was a yeller. He was a screamer. He was very tough, very harsh. I took more of, you know, like, I mean, that's not who I am, like yelling, if, Yelling just does lots of problems with my vocal cords. And I'm, you know, I'm a singer. I try not to mess with that. And I just, you know, I took a more gentler reasoned approach and kind of like, a, it just, you know, who I am and like, oh, sure. I might've warned kids that if they left their cleats in front of the door, I would kick them down the hill. And I did. And, you know, that was all in good fun. And it's like, oh, you're not doing that. Fine. Go take a lap, whatever. But um, all that was in like good fun. And, you know, parents would tell me how much they would appreciate my concern. And even when that, like, came for a kid who wanted to quit, um, I, like, actually, you know, after talking to him, it's like I supported that decision. And I, you know, appreciated the kid's bravery to walk away and to talk to me about it. And I know you've had, you know, various different coaching opportunities and things like that. So what would you say in regard to how, like, what have you seen in your life about, you know, the kids you interact with and stuff with your coaching endeavors and things like that and them, you know, looking up to you as a role model and the importance of a male figure in that position? Uh, just as far as like the coaching side of it goes, uh, it's, it's, you have to have a certain compassion to coach. Uh, with me, where I find the success is, is everyone's motivated different. Everyone, every kid brings their own unique personality. You know, they may be similar, but you know, there's only one you. So with me, like, especially coaching this year, you know, there are kids that, you know, I can be harder on that I can yell at and tell them to stop being a pussy and kick them in the ass and tell them to run. Uh, and then there's other that I'm going to have to praise their accomplishments you know, be like, hey, man, you really gave it your all today. You really left it all on the mat. Hey, you really left it all in the weight room. Good job. So, but I know it's probably, you know, kind of going off the topic of, you know, what, what you're going off of. But uh, it just being the role model, set, setting the example, very important. Uh, like I said, because all these eyes are watching you. And they see how you do things and how you react and you're affecting young minds. So when they see you doing something, uh, let me, uh, Kind of, and I, this is why I, I stink at this, man. You're so much better. So oh no, no, no! Well, well, here, let me ask. Let me rephrase it, or let me ask you this, because yeah. I, with the the kids that you see that you're coaching, for those that don't really have the, I, I'm sure you know at this point, and you've seen throughout your tenure, the ones who have, you know, the ones that don't have a positive father figure role model in their lives like at home or in their lives and to in that regard do you find that they're gravitating towards you a little more and are you able to see a difference that you're having in their lives because of that well yeah and where I'm gonna like where I was gonna shift gears is like with my own kids and I you know I try to put the best my best foot forward because my son is looking to me as a man so I need to set an example for him and what I was like I was figuring out how I was trying to switch gears is why there was the big pause. But like my son's watching me. So if he sees that, you know, I work hard, he sees that, you know, I'm sacrificing for my family. I'm doing what I need to do to support them. 
he's going to be like, okay, this is how I got to be. This is how hard, you know, I have to work. This is the work. Now he may not follow in the same footsteps and go into like, you know, home healthcare like I am. He may, you know, be a mechanic, whatever he wants to do, but he can take the same lessons and the same, you know, mentality that I have and he can apply it to any aspect of life. And that goes into like relationships as well. If he sees me treating, you know, his mother with respect, even though we're no longer together, uh, seeing me treat, you know, my wife with respect and, you know, opening doors and being cordial, he's going to be like, all right, so that is what a man does. And even on the flip side for my daughters, if they see me, you know, work hard, they see me open up doors, see me treat their, you know, their respective mothers with respect, uh, they're going to be like, okay, I want a man like that. That is, you know, the type of boyfriend I need to be with. That's the type of husband I need to strive to get. So the importance, you know, seeing the, the positive male role model is, is so important, you know, not just like from the coaching standpoint, but from like a parental standpoint as well. Yeah. And I think that's great. And you're talking about, okay, so like the responsibility of somebody in that leadership position, uh, like quote unquote, um, to set an example to follow because people are watching, like you said before, people are watching, kids are watching and for better or worse, they're going to pick up on those things. And so we saw, you know, I mean, Johnny, part of the reason why he was the way he was, well, because of Kreese. Part of the reason Kreese was the way he was was because of the commander. Part of the reason Daniel was because of Miyagi. And it just kind of, you know, like I said, that circle of life there. And I think it's just, like I said, um, just a fascinating study that we could probably, you know, unpack hours and hours worth about just, you know, why these characters in the show have developed the way they have. Um, and I guess in that regard, uh, we can switch gears a little bit, uh, talking about the various different characters. Let's, let's talk about some of the characters and, uh, where they've gone here. Why don't we start with, uh, we could start with, with Allie. Uh, how did you give us some thoughts about Allie here? Like she came back. How'd you feel about her arrival, her presence? Do you think we've seen the last of her? Go ahead, man. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I just, you know, want to pat myself on the back and just say, I feel <laughs> my, uh, my uh, bold prediction from the last episode kind of came true. I think she was brought in more for closure for both Daniel and Johnny, but more so for Johnny because, uh, you know, obviously Daniel is married and he found a new love of his life, you know, has kids with her and everything, but Johnny really didn't. And I think with her coming back and I think she said it best. And again, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know word for word quote, but you know, it's just, you have to revisit the past to see where you're going to go in your future or so you can move on with your future. And I, I think that's why they brought Allie back. Now I heard, and again, this is rumor mill. Like I heard that she had her character on the boys killed off so she could be on Cobra Kai full time. But I just don't see, like, where you can go with her. I mean, granted, they did, you know, she's single. They could have it to where she moves back. She has two teenagers, and she has one that's, like, a rebel. You know, she, like, was a ballerina, and then now she's a drummer and joined the punk rock band. Uh, maybe she would get in with Cobra Kai or something like that. So, I mean, there are different things that you could do with it. I just don't see her... It's just like, I think it would kind of be overkill as much as you would want to see her back because she's an original, she's an OG. 
It's just, I don't know what like you would do with her. I think they did it perfect. I think, you know, she met up with Johnny. They spent the day together. They had the near kiss and, you know, they go to that Christmas party and she got Johnny to talk about Carmen. And, you know, so they kind of did the, you know, the hug at the end and it was kind of like she, you know, set him free, I guess you can say. So now he can move on with Carmen because, I mean, I think deep down, that's who Johnny always wanted to be with. Yeah, I think that's a great analysis. And just, I can't tell you, I, well, you know, because I was texting you when I was watching it. And I, I think you, how unnerved I was when she's uh, like, she, 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 they, we first saw her and she's on the couch and she says, oh yeah, I'm in town. I've, I've got some plans. I'm like, oh no. And then she starts like reaching out to Johnny because this is the point after, you know, Johnny just slept with Carmen. And there's, and then they, so he and, uh, Allie are on that date and I was like oh my gosh this is going to be so bad I was I was sitting in my chair and I as I'm watching it and I'm you know my adrenaline's pumping I was like this is going to be so bad this is going to be so bad Miguel and Sam are going to walk by and they're going to see them making out and I'm like and this whole thing is just going to get ruined and I just I I hate the I hate you know the perceived form of cheating and anything like that I just just not a fan in general and I was like oh gosh but I thought it was I thought it was a real interesting twist how um, Amanda had, you know, I guess talked to Allie in the bathroom there at the at the country club and informed her of uh, of Carmen. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's good. So now good, we're having the confrontation right up front. I'm just going to get it out in the open and it's going to force Johnny to choose. And I really, really appreciated that. I don't know. I mean, who knows where it's going to go? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you in the sense of like, I just, uh, you know, where is she going to be around? What's going on? Obviously there's still that attraction there. There's that past. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think it's just, I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying in my, my rambling way is that I'm glad there was no, like, I'm glad they didn't amp up the drama in that regard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was very happy about that. <laughs> um, let's see. So speaking of female drama, let's talk about Tori. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hang on one sec. Okay. So how do you feel about go figure? Here's another character where a father figure isn't really in the, in the picture. And so crease becomes, you know, kind of the surrogate, if you will here. I thought it was real interesting just to see how she's really, I guess, drank the, drank the no mercy Kool-Aid um, here with this whole thing. So go ahead. What, what do you think about her? Now life kicked her ass, man. I mean, she has so much on her plate and, you know, she's working two jobs, trying to get her GED, trying to, you know, walk the straight and narrow so she doesn't go to juvie and leave her little brother or her mom sick. That is a lot. That's a lot for a 17 year old, you know, it's a lot for anybody. <laughs> well, it's a lot for any, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. I wasn't like if any adults going through this type of stuff, I don't mean to downplay, but I'm just like, I just think about how I was at 17 and I would be like an emotional wreck. I can only imagine what the Tory character is going through. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just same thing. Like we did, it seems like the theme of the episode is just, she does, there's no father figure present. And of course, Crease is stepping in and, you know, he just helped her, helped her out in a major way with that scumbag landlord. And so of course she's going to gravitate towards, you know, the guy who is caring about her, who, who's with, with no, 
sexual ulterior motive like the scumbag landlord. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, I mean, and it was just heartbreaking to see kind of toward the end of that, uh, end of the season there after that big giant fight at the LaRusso Villa and, you know, everybody's kind of like, they're, they're ready to merge. Like they're ever, uh, you know, the, the originals are kind of becoming friends again, you know, Hawks kind of back in the fold. Everybody's kind of starting to make their peace. And then Tori's just like, you guys have all betrayed us. You know, you've betrayed, you betrayed me and everything like that. And so I, I feel that because you have somebody who's obviously she doesn't have a lot of friends and to see, Hey, this is what they're fighting for. I thought we were united in this front and they've done this and they've done this. And obviously there's still, um, you know, ill will and bitter feelings towards Sam, um, which, you know, again, I mean, I, I get that. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was sad for me just to see how like, she's just so, so hardened, you know, she needs a, she needs a good, you know, good gentle caring guy to come sweep her off her feet and show her that she just doesn't need to be that way <laughs> like, so i think she'll get that with robbie yeah yeah that would be oh do you think they're gonna get together i think so because uh, robbie and we'll you know we'll switch from tori to robbie you know since i'm kind of like laying the groundwork there uh robbie's another one man i think he just he wants to be he wants to be good he wants to be cared about like i mean how, how would you feel like put yourself in his spot like okay um your mom, well, now she's in rehab, so at least she's trying to get better. But for all those years, she was just partying and out with a different guy every night. You know, so you pretty much are raising yourself. You're by yourself. Uh, you, your dad acts interested, but then every time you go around to, like, make things right, well, here he is, is showing, like, the fatherly love and attention to another person. Like, the same thing, uh, like, this season when uh, Johnny was supposed to see him at Juvie, you know, I would have handled it if I was Johnny. I'd have been like, look, Miguel is in my prayers. I I'm thinking about him. I will be right back. I do have to go see Robbie. And he just kind of left Robbie hanging. So, again, Robbie's a 17-year-old kid. What, 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 how do you think he's going to feel? Yeah. And truthfully, I was with you on that. I was like, that was a huge mistake on his part. It's like, you know, they're, oh, be there when he wakes up. It's like, eh, well, no, like we can, we can wait a little bit. It's like, like I've got, I got something else. Yeah. It's yeah, absolutely. I was, yeah, definitely made the mistake there. But um, I just, I think Robbie and Tori, they're um, cut from the same cloth, you know, pretty much like Robbie is the male version of Tori. Tori's female version of Robbie. I think, you know, they're, two of a kind and I, th I really think uh i think it, it, it'll be a relationship built on bad values but i think towards the end of the series i think you know i think obviously they have an end game and i think everyone will eventually find their way but i think right now it's going to be you know built on you know hatred towards like the miyagi-do eagle fang side Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that was, it's just even when uh, Tori would interact with Robbie, I mean, a lot of the things, it is based on, you know, it's fully based on hate. It's like, can you believe Sam did that? Like, there's Sam, or, you know, like, she she betrayed you, you know, Sam's, you know, breaking everybody's heart, you know, around here and just playing with everybody's emotions here. And so it just, uh, yeah, I, I get that. Um, let's see, so, so another character who I thought was... Uh, I, I thought grew a bunch here. Uh, Dimitri, your boy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about him. <laughs> uh, he went from my least favorite to like my fourth favorite now. Like, I just felt he was a hater. 
like from season one, he was just negative Nancy. And it's just like, I think when Hawk flipped the script and got the hot girlfriend and wasn't taking crap from anybody and wasn't a loser anymore. I just think he was a hater because just like the way he would be like, okay, Eli, or, <laughs> and the way he would say that, it's just like, dude, you're a hater. Like, why don't you try flipping the script? Why don't you try, you know, not being a loser? And it, it so the first like two seasons, then when he started at Miyagi-Do, same thing. Um, he, he was just real condescending. And I'm just like, man, I'm like, if I was Hawk, I, I would slap him. <laughs> right. Like I, like, I wouldn't even punch him. I'd just slap him. Oh, yeah. Wham. Well, I, on a <laughs> side note there, like, it's always been, like, a dream of mine just to ever, like, and I've never been into a, like, in a real fight with anybody except, like, with my brothers. And that, and I suppose that probably shouldn't, you know, surprise you, <laughs> you know, like, just, I'm just not really, like, that's not really my thing. Um, but it's like, man, if I ever, like, saw somebody, like, acting up or whatever, I would just love to just, like, open hand or backhand somebody, just, like, slap a dude. And can you, because it would just be the most, offensive thing to just just slap somebody real like dave chappelle like uh rick james style like to charlie murphy that's a slap but anywho anywho that's uh that's neither here nor there so back to dimitri like being a hater it, it, i just that's that's always just been my impression of him the first two seasons it was just like instead of being happy for your friend you know you're you're jealous and again it's the age you know when you were a kid you know let's all be honest you know we were you know always low-key anytime something happened to like our boys or something like that or if they scored the hot girls number or whatever you were like oh man that's awesome but you were low-key jealous you know you were low-key like man i could have done that uh but I really think- i never could have done that so <laughs> totally can't relate like i was just <laughs> i accepted being a loser real early on so it's all good <laughs> You know what? It's all right, man. I was, see, I was, I was in purgatory. I was in social purgatory because I was an athlete and I was a good athlete. And I was a, var- you know, varsity letter winner and all that, you know, wrestled in college, the whole shebanger bang. But it was just like, socially, I wasn't popular. Like, it was just like, I wasn't cool enough to like sit with like the other athletes, but like I was an athlete. So it was like, I was shunned by like the nerd people because they would just be like, Oh, well, you're an athlete. You shouldn't be. So I like had nobody, but it's that again, neither here nor there. But um, in season three with Dimitri, uh, like I said, he, he's you know, a little, a little more ballsier. If I can, if I can use that term, a little more, uh, more gutsy, you know, that, that kick at the end of season two that put Hawk through the trophy case. Uh, definitely did him some good, and uh, it, it was nice to see him fight back and not be like the punching bag, you know. Because I mean, Hawk did start with them. Uh, Hawk did destroy a science project and everything, and he scored Jasmine, so or Yasmin, or yeah, that's it. Yeah, Yasmin. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, uh, gosh, what a great move that was! I mean, that cast scene was just incredible. Like, yeah. you know, when you're drawn on the cast, like, man, that was great. That might have been one of my favorite scenes in the entire season because it was just so nice from her. And, like, her, like, boy, talk about her who's changed a bunch, you know? Oh, my gosh. She was, like, such a total witch, like, you know, hated her, like, total mean girl. And then it's like, oh, oh my gosh. She just, wow, all of a sudden, like, they're starting to grow up, you know? And I think that's that's it, too, like, Dimitri and being less of a hater. And he was – I would say he always had that sense of, like, false arrogance. But now you could see he was was more of a tempered confidence, if you will. Yeah. It started to move. 
So that was good. Um, yeah, so last episode of our podcast, we talked about some, you know, crazy rumors that, oh, do you think this is going to happen? Is Tori in prostitution, like heading into season three and stuff? <laughs> have you seen, kind of funny how like none of those rumors ever took place, but I, I, I guess, have you seen anything, what people are rumoring out there to happen into the next season? I've already seen, I've seen a few things continuing about like, oh, this person is this person's daughter, or this person's related to this person and stuff. And like, so. already hit on that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, so just let them be their own character. Not everyone has to be related. Uh, Terry Silver, um, I heard they are, they're bringing the character back. They're currently looking for actors because the original Terry Silver, uh, he's been retired from acting. He hasn't acted in anything in 15 years. But with how popular this show is, you know, money talks. And if, especially if it's only a couple episodes, I mean, I'd, I'd take a, like a million dollar payday or a couple hundred thousand dollar payday to come out and do a couple episodes. Uh, nothing like nothing really outside. Like you said, uh, is this person, this person's dad, is this person's, this person's mom, this person's, this person's sister, you know, it's, it's just, uh, my thing is, it's, I know, I want to know, because they got interrupted. I know in the All Valley, Chris said that if they lose, he'll leave. And they never got to what Johnny and Daniel are going to put up. Uh, but this is, like I said, this is more for like the predictions at the end of the episode. Yeah, but, and I guess, yeah, and we can, uh, like, obviously by the start of, you know, when season four gets ready, we'll revisit this for sure. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, um, I don't know, man, anything else? I mean, I feel like we, obviously, we weren't going to be able to hit on every aspect of yeah. stuff, but I, uh, like, anything else you want to discuss here, or should we, uh, should we tell everybody to catch us on and catch us another time? Just uh, uh, one last thing, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the only thing that I, there's, well, two things. One, I really hope they don't have these big unrealistic brawls at the end of every season. <laughs> All right, like the school, the school one was really over the top, but I get that yet that they wanted to have like Miguel injured for this storyline. Um, and then you had this giant fight at the Larusso's. Um, that that that's one. And then the, my main point was, I'm glad Hawk like seen the error of his ways, but I just think he did too much bad stuff. To just for a hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, he broke Dimitri's arm. He broke. He didn't just beat him up. He broke dude's arm. And just again, speaking as a parent, if my son's supposed best friend, a kid that has been at my house who has you know pissed my waterbed or my air mattress, <laughs> you know, like I know this kid, and they're like best friends growing up. All of a sudden, breaks my son's arm in a fight. It's gonna take a lot more than an I'm sorry. It, it, because he wasn't. It was just like, hey man, I'm sorry. You want to help me win this thing? And then Demetrius like, oh yeah. It, it. I felt like that was rushed. I think you could kind of see it coming, even like when they all went on that like little mission for the Cobra thing, and what you saw when Crease was starting to like bring Robbie in and talk about bringing Robbie in. Hawk's kind of like, all right, this is how Crease is, you know, manipulating things. And then Johnny gives him the pep talk at the school. Not really a pep talk, kind of calls him a pussy and says, like, you were softer than a baby's ass when you came into my dojo. <laughs> I'm the one who made you flip the script, not Crease. But I just think they kind of rushed it. Uh, I think 
I, if they were to do it a, just like a quick, I'm sorry, I would have just had Hawk beat his ass. Just like, just Hawk, just kind of like what he did to the to the fat bully, which that was awesome. The fat bully from season one, Hawk just pounded on him. And oh, gosh. Him. And see, I had a hard time watching that. Like, to me, it was just so unmerciful, and it was very – I loved it. Uh, oh, gosh. Serves you right. And then Hawk's half his size, too. Loved it because, you know, I was I was really small and got bullied and until I started wrestling and stuff. So that, something like that, something similar like that actually happened with me, but that's for another episode. But I just think – just, just if they would have just beat him up and then would have did the quick "I'm sorry," I think it would have been more realistic. I mean, but he broke his arm and then he's like, "Okay, I'm sorry for all of it." It's like, so that's it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Just like that was the most like outside of the big brawl was the most unrealistic side of it. So, yeah. um, I, I kind of, uh, you were a little soft there on the, on the mic there. So, uh, but, but we, we still heard it, but yeah, I, I feel it. I feel it to, to a point, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what I would do if I was a, like yeah, Dimitri's mom, like wanting that, you know, does Eli have to come over and like have dinner with me and apologize for everything he's done? Possibly, you know, that would be that. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I think that's all for now. Uh, we love you guys. Again, we are the Cougar Slayers. This is the podcast for winners. You can f- check us out on Facebook um, and, you know, interact with us there. So until next time, peace. Hey, you know what? Hey, hey, real quick before we yeah. leave, you know what I can't wait for? You know what the next couple episodes are going to be? What's that? The bracket set up for March Milfness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get ready for that. We are going to be dealing with um, 64. We have seated and ranked uh, 64 of the best-looking moms from the from television history and we're going to see who ends up being number one as we head into head into march so yeah we'll uh, we will have some special guests on for that and uh, the, it should be fun and entertaining for everybody so again this is lord christopher leo and matt matt and matt Golchek signing off peace y'all deuces cougar slayers the podcast for winners hosted by chris leo and matt matt and matt Golchek.